Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and The Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of the Saver and the Spender podcast. Today, we are joined by Margo or with Margo Brown, who's a productivity coach from Wave Productivity. Good morning, Margo. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, you know, f- first of all, before we get started into like diving deep into productivity and um, all this really neat content that we have, I want you to just tell everybody what a productivity coach is, what you do, uh, and how you help people. Sure. So I help people become more focused, organized, and productive at work. And the way that I do that is through coaching over the phone and in person in the Phoenix area. And so I go into people's offices or get them on the phone and we talk about the different challenges that they're having and struggles that they're having within the work that they do. And then I offer them tips and techniques. But often in my coaching, what I'm doing is I'm asking them questions. And with those questions, we naturally draw out what is going to work for them. Hmm. I'm not giving them the answers. I'm not telling them what to do. Because oftentimes, at least for me, if someone tells me what to do, I want to rebel against it. So when you can naturally draw out what works for a client or for a person, then they're more motivated to actually do the work. Hmm. Awesome. So that old axiom of uh, they have to come up with the idea themselves kind of a thing? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so are, are you, do you work uh, with people outside of the Phoenix area or are you just, um, I do, I coach nationally and internationally. Awesome. Good, good. Um, and what's your website that they can check out your stuff and Facebook and any place that you have information on? It's waveproductivity.com and I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter under those handles. Productivity. Awesome. Well, let's let's just dive right in. And so it's the second week of January, right? And people are in full swing of New Year's resolutions. You you were telling me before that you are actually don't really believe in New Year's resolutions. Tell me about that. What what do you what do you think about that? Um, I believe they happen, but I don't believe that they happen successfully. So oftentimes when people are choosing resolutions, it's usually about wanting more or getting less. I want to exercise more, I want to lose weight. Um, And those are big, broad statements. So really, what you need to be doing is setting goals and and actually changing behaviors. Mm, Okay. So when you, um, do you prescribe to SMART goals? I do. I think that they can be really helpful in getting people um, to where they need to be and getting them to a place where they can understand their goals so that they can start taking action on them. Mm. So if somebody say, say their New Year's resolution is that broad, I want to lose weight, how would you um, get somebody focused to, to making that, not just New Year's resolution, but making it uh, happen? So a couple of questions I would ask is, by when? How much? Because that can, that can really change someone's ideas. So they may say, I want to lose 50 pounds by July. Okay, that's 10 pounds a month. How much is that a week? Is that really doable? And is it safe? health-wise to be losing that much weight and what are the changes that you're going to need to make so one of the things that I suggest is if you want to lose weight making one small change like um, stopping eating after 8 p.m. 
Um, or in the morning, if you're going to make a change to your diet, uh, instead of grabbing coffee, make a shake or something different that would, that would change that behavior. Great. So small, small steps and building on those, or, um, is it more that, that we're changing behaviors or, um, or, you know, small behaviors at a time or, uh, focusing on big changes? It's definitely small changes. So sometimes my clients will say, okay, I, I want to start working out. Let's make it so that we put it in my schedule that I go to the gym five days a week. I'm like, okay, how about let's just try one day a week? Let's see how that goes. You know, what's your setup? How are you setting up to go to the gym? Do you need your clothes out? Do you even need new sneakers? You know, what are some first next steps you need to be taking that are going to make a big difference in the way that you approach this? Definitely. You know, I remember, so my background is in sports medicine and physical therapy on top of this financial stuff. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but no. there was a study that, that um, let me see if I can get this right there. Uh, so it was, it was an exercise scientist who wanted to see how people get to the gym and if they actually stay going to the gym and stay motivated and how long they actually stick with it, with the plan in the gym. So mm-hmm. he had some people start and just go working out, but he had other people start and just sit in the lobby of the gym for half an hour a day. And then you start to work towards from sitting in the lobby of the gym and then not even working out, but then you start to go inside. And those people that actually just got in the lobby and sat there first and immersed themselves in that habit um, actually went to the gym for more often and longer than people that didn't even do that. So like you're saying, baby steps. Yes. Slowly immersing yourself in small changes is way more important than just going gung-ho. That's right. Why don't people keep those, even not just New Year's resolutions, but I think New Year's resolutions is a good example of what people, they don't keep them. Why, why don't people keep their goals like that? I don't think they're specific enough. Mm-hmm. I want to lose weight. How much, by when, I want to exercise more. And also getting in touch with that feeling. You know, what does healthy feel like? Sure. Because that will motivate you in kind of, keeping that state going. Mm-hmm. Yep. That makes sense. Um, smart. Let, let me see if I can remember what, so for those of you who want to know what a smart goal is, it's specific. So S M A R T specific, measurable. Yes. Um, do you remember the other ones? Achievable, achievable. realistic and timely. Yep, exactly. So all, so when you make a goal, all of those S M A R T have to be in place. So if it's, if you have a goal and that's, well, I just want to lose weight. Well, timely. Yeah. Well, by how, by when, you know, what's your time frame? right? Is it specific? I want to lose 10 pounds rather than I just want to lose weight. So once you have all of those smart goals in place, that's what really makes a goal achievable for you. Exactly. And then you can also track it. Yes, exactly. Um, so why, why is, why make changes? Why do people make changes and, and pick the first of the year to make changes and why not, um, making a big goal like this uh, other times throughout the year? I don't know. Um, <laughs> good question. I think it's because it's a, it's a new start in our minds. It's, you know, first of the year, we're going to get going into this. I think it's coming out of the holidays where maybe we've eaten a little bit too much and partied and had fun. And now it's like back to the grind. Right. And so I don't know why people don't make goals throughout the year. 
I know that me personally, I'm always looking at my goals in January, but I'm also checking in on them in a big way in July because July is halfway through the year. I'm also looking at them in October because in October, there's only a hundred days left in the year. And so what do I need to really focus on in on that I haven't maybe gotten to or worked on that I want to work on by the end of the year? Mm. And a lot of times with my clients, they'll hire me at different times of the year. And it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. It matters that they're setting goals then. And that's the most important thing, that people are making changes that feel good about the way they live and work. Right. How often should you reevaluate your goals? I think as often as you need to. So for some people, it's daily. And there was a time in my life a few years back where I would, before I went to sleep, it was the last thing that I read. I read through my goals and they were short, but I read through my goals and then went off to sleep. Um, Now I look at them weekly or monthly, depending. And I also track all of my goals. Great. Yeah, I think that's important because some people, um, they get out of the habit and those goals get out of their mind. And then that's probably one of the reasons why they, they fizzle out is that they're just not, the one, they're not using smart goals and being very specific and measurable and, and achievable, but also they, they're not reevaluating them and what, tracking their progress, right? That's right. Absolutely. So making sure that you reconnect with your goals. Some people will put them their goals up on a mirror in their bathroom, someplace where they're kind of touching base and checking in on them on a regular basis. Mm, coach can actually help with that as well. Okay. So, you know, getting coaching so that your coach is keeping you accountable on the steps that you said that you would take. Exactly. And that, that applies for, you know, all types of coaching. So it's what personal training and productivity coaching and financial coaching. That's what, there are a lot of people that can, I mean, obviously there are people out there that for whatever their goal is, they hundred percent can do it on their own, but there's also people that can't and they just need that accountability partner of some kind, uh, professional or friend to, um, they just need that type of motivation from an outside source or some guidance, right? That's right. And, you know, like one big resolution is I'm going to become debt free in the new year or within this year and coming to you and seeing what that actually takes, making that smart, you know, that measurable, specific, attainable, because if they're $100,000 in debt and only make $30,000 a year, it's not really possible to do that. So, you know, talking through with a financial coach on what are the small changes that they can be making, not going to Starbucks every day, um, you know, rounding up on purchases that they make so they're putting that in the bank. You you probably have more tips than I do, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, that's absolutely true. Those are just some of the small things and they're bigger things and there's uh, organization and, um, but you know, we, we, it's, this time of year, we see uh, more and more newer clients come in and that is their goal. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, um, if they were to try to do that on their own, they'd probably get lost because they, they don't see the end game or they're not specific enough or they're using the wrong strategy. So, um, you know, c- coaching is definitely uh, helpful for, for finances. Yeah. Great. So, um, let's see. What's throughout the year, we talked about kind of reassessing your goals daily, weekly, monthly. 
So we talked about um, reassessing your goals daily, weekly, monthly. Um, overall, how do you continue to stay motivated towards your goals and stay productive? That's a great question. Um, there are some people who will create a vision board where it's pictures of, that they pull out of magazines, maybe get off the internet, that they put on a board or poster board, glue them on, and can be reminded of the goals that they want to achieve. Mm. And look at that throughout the year and get motivated about it. Another thing is when you set that specific goal, it should motivate you. Having a coach or a buddy to hold you accountable and carry you through. Another great technique is to write down when you failed and what happened. And then looking at what are some of the patterns. Mm -hmm. So you might notice that um, your goal is to lose weight. And every Saturday when you do grocery shopping, you stop off and get, you know, a latte before you, before you do your grocery shopping. And that just blows your calorie count. So those kinds of things. Um, making sure that you can kind of stay connected to those goals and seeing a pattern with the behaviors that you have. And then making those small changes again. One piece is people get so hard on themselves and they're writing down all their failures and where they can make changes, but they're not focusing on their successes and looking back on what is it that I did differently. So a lot of times as a coach, when I'm working with my clients, in fact, I was just with someone yesterday and I was saying, do you see how far you've come? You know, when we first sat down together, you didn't know how to delegate. You didn't want to delegate. And now you're making changes so that you can step back from your calendar and be in your office more and delegate things to other people in ways that have been phenomenal for the success of your company. And um, she was just thrilled with it. Yeah. Isn't that funny how people, they, they don't see their successes and, and you, they really have to be reminded and say, hey, look, look back where you were even a month ago or six months ago and look how far you've come. And it's, it's amazing how people don't see those transformations. And it's almost like that, you, you know, you can put a frog in the, the cold water and you turn up to boiling and it'll slowly kill them. They don't feel it. It's like they're so immersed in that. It's not, it's not as uh, uh, immediately recognizable to them for some reason. And I don't think we're a culture that really celebrates in success. And maybe sometimes, but you know, you're not getting those pats on the back on a daily basis from yourself or from other people. Um, and then, so having someone that, that can kind of remind you of that, where you've come from and tracking your goals can also help with that as well. Right. Yeah. It's only, you know, we only get uh, big accolades when you are, it's a hundred percent finished and accomplished, right? It's not okay. with, with with progress. So that's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about um, some different ways to change behavior. So we're talking about finances, paying off debt, losing weight, um, getting organized in your, in your house. What are in general, let's talk about some ways to change behaviors and ways to stay engaged with the changes that you want to make. Sure. So one of the things that you need to do is find a habit and then connect that old habit to the new habit. Hmm. So um, for an example, you may pile up paper and it's sitting at your desk and there's piles and piles everywhere. And what you want to do is instead of, of 
adding the paper on top of the pile, having file folders right next, right next to you and putting them in the file folder, labeling them and getting them in the cabinet. Um, another thing that I see that often happens, a lot of people are moving away from paper, so it's more technology, but they will throw a document up there and there's no name to it. So starting with a naming convention and just stopping, taking some time and making the change to, okay, let's get it in the right spot. Let's call it the right name mm -hmm. so that you can find it later on. Yeah. I have it over your desktop. Yes. I have that problem mm -hmm. a lot. And, and I think to myself, if I would have just taken two seconds to rename it something different right? yes. that I would remember or be able to easily, easily find it. It just make, save me 10 times the time. So that's huge. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, well, let's, let's get into, I have, I have a great question. I just, it just popped up here. So, um, and I, and I think it kind of goes along with, you were talking about getting your desktop organized or your files organized. Mm -hmm. um, James asks, uh, for those who tend to keep everything in anxiety that one day they may need to file, that may need that file slash data slash receipt slash item, what is the best way for them to do this or best rule to live by when reducing clutter or over information analysis? Okay. So one of the first things is um, if it's financial, then check in with your accountant. They're going to have very specific ways of keeping your financial documents. And you may know, you be, may be able to speak to this as well, but people will file taxes differently. And so making sure that you're holding on to receipts for some people, it's super important because they may get audited for other people. It's not as important. They may only need it for three years and then they're done. Um, so really checking in with your accountant. If it's a legal issue, checking in with your lawyer. Because again, you may need to hold on to those documents a whole lot longer than you, you know, you, a normal person may need to that hasn't had any legality issues. After that, um, you can go on the internet and you can find documents that will tell you, you know, if you've owned a house and you've sold it, you can get rid of the documents. Again, if you don't have any tax or legality issues. So just being very specific um, with your accountant and lawyer. And then also asking yourself, what's the worst thing that would happen if I got rid of this? And a lot of our, the paper that we hold on to is not tax or legal related. Mm -hmm. It's just piling up. And so being able to let it go or knowing that it's in some other place, like, okay, here's my paper uh, electricity bill but I know that I can find it online. So I know that I can find it in another place. I know that I can shred it. Mm. And as you're purging out, making sure that you're taking information that could be identity theft and making sure that you're shredding it. Perfect. That's super important as well. Because people think, okay, you know, it's the new year. I'm just going to start throwing stuff out. And they don't think about the um, identity theft issues that can go along with that. Yeah, absolutely. Are there, um, do you recommend that people to, to reduce clutter and paper that they start scanning things and putting them in, in on, uh, on the cloud or electronically? Or is, is, is that something that we should start going to? I, I do suggest that if it's something that works well. I would say if you're a more visual person or a tactile person where you need to hold on to something, hold it in front of you to actually have the experience of it there 
um, to better understand it, then I would say paper may be the best thing for you. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people are moving to stuff on the cloud and scanning it. If you do scan it, make sure that you have clear file name conventions on ways that you can find the information after you've scanned it. And if you want, I can share that with your listeners and viewers after the show. We can put it in the program notes if you have those. Yeah, let's do that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Great. Perfect. Thank you. Sure. Well, since, since we're talking about um, uh, some people being tactile and liking to have stuff in hand or being more electronic, let's talk about bullet journaling. We were, we were talking yeah. about that right before we got started. Um, and for those of you who don't know bullet journaling, you can I'll, I'll put it in the show notes to the link to some different resources on bullet journaling, but it's a different way. And you can probably speak to the exactly what it is, but it's a way to... Um, have a tactile journal that is, uh, has an index is searchable. Um, it keeps everything in one place. Um, it's, there's different coding for, uh, to make sure things are accomplished and how to do them. So I can't explain that a little bit better than I just did. Okay. So it is, it was created, I believe by a graphic designer. He certainly has a creative background and was an artist. And I, I, he hasn't said this, but he looks like it or sounds like a tactile person where he needed to draw it out. And a lot of people need that feeling to really experience their work. Typing it out just doesn't feel the same. And so he chose opening up a journal and starting with an index and what is going to be in the journal. And then he also has a calendaring system. And I say he, I'm forgetting his name. I want to, I can't remember, but um, it's a great system. And so you write out the days of the week um, and the days of the month, and you start adding in what's happening with your calendar. So it's, it's not a traditional calendar with blocks. It is actually just written out line by line. And then from there, he'll add in notes, drawings, and he'll add, continue to add that to his index. Mm -hmm. And then you can go back to your index and quickly find what you need. Another piece of the bullet journal is something, I call it legends, where if you have notes, you may have written a checkbox for something that you needed to do, or if you wanted to remember something and go back to it, you may have written a star. So with what I do with my clients is we go back through all of their notes and see what naturally comes up for them. What are the doodles that they naturally make in their notes that they can start using consistently, but using consistently with a specific uh, way in mind. So it's not just a doodle anymore. A star becomes important information that I, I need to look back on. Um, for me, when I write B with a, with a circle around it, that's a blog idea. So anytime I'm going through my notes, if I'm looking for blog ideas, I'll look for the B with a circle around it. Mm -hmm. Other people will use check boxes, lines, dots, arrows. It really is dependent on kind of the doodles that you make. And yeah. then being able to look back on your notes with those doodles and finding the information that you need quickly and easily. Definitely. I, I, um, I, I do it and I don't do his full system. Um, and I remember when we met in person, 
I don't know, last, oh, maybe a year ago, something like that. And I remember you specifically asked if I had a way to keep me organized or I kept a calendar. And um, I do have, I do keep my Google calendar very well up to date, but as far as organization and task wise, daily task stuff, I didn't really have a great system. And I found bullet journaling and it has, uh, I think even Kelsa will attest to how productive I get to to be way more than I was before. And I think for some people, and for me, it was, it was almost like I had five things to do in a day. Like I had five big tasks. I had, I, I, I got paralyzed at where to start, what to do, yeah. where to do third, you know, and, and, and what, what I need to do. So it's, you know, it's a way of writing it down, keeping it in order. And um, there's ways to keep track of your progress on different things. If it's completed, mm-hmm. if you didn't get it done today, is it worth putting on to the next day? And you can draw an arrow through your box or whatever, and then you transcribe uh, it down to the next, the next day. Um, but for me, and you and I were talking about this, but the, the calendar didn't work for me. And I don't think it really, you said it didn't really work for you either. Um, no. And it would, do you keep your calendar more electronic? I actually continue to use a paper calendar. Okay. Which, I mean, it surprises all of my clients when I pull it out. Um, I'm a very visual person. And when I put my calendar electronically, I really feel like I can't see it. It doesn't make sense to me. And when I have it in a paper calendar, I can kind of see the day, see how it's going, see what my week is like, and then kind of adjust certain days so that I'm not filled with too much work to do. So that's how I kind of handle my paper calendar. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a lot of people who say you need to switch to electronic and I just can't seem to do it. Yeah, do I can't bite the bullet. Well, we, we do it. And I think the reason why it didn't work for me paper wise is because we have so many shared calendars yeah. and online scheduling for people that it just doesn't, that doesn't seem to work. I mean, you can't, you, you're doing double duty by, you have to write in your calendar what's already on a pre-made that's, you know, so it's just almost a waste of time to do it that way. So but for if you're, you know, if you're already using uh, an electronic calendar, you don't have to use a bullet journal as your calendar. Um, you can just use it for for tasks and notes and different pages, and um, it's a great reference. So I'll, we'll put that in the show notes, um, the link to the different bullet journal resources. But Pinterest is Pinterest is great for bullet journaling ideas. Um, and then I don't remember his name either, but he, he has a website. It's all like the, the whole process is free, right? He has all that information out there. You just have to go buy like this is I think this is one that he actually prefers. And it's got little I don't know if you can anybody who's watching live can see, but it's got little dots, like graph paper. So you can draw squares, but it's not obtrusive um, like uh, a real graph paper would be. Yeah, I actually did a blog on different journals and why one is better over the other. So I will um, add that to the show notes as well. Great. And it's, it's what's the difference between Moleskin and Rodea and um, all these different journals that people see out in the in, out in the world and which ones work and why they work. Um, Moleskin actually was a great product. I'd, I want to say five, seven years ago, and they moved their company from Italy to China and production went down. So there's a lot of bleed through with the moleskin now that you didn't see a decade ago. Interesting. That's too bad. Yeah. I know it's a bummer. For a couple but there's other great journals out there. There's a great company out of Detroit. It's named Shinola. They're famous for watches 
and um, have really created an industry in Detroit where they're experiencing a lot of trouble in creating industry. So they've um, created watches, journals, a whole bunch of different products and have put people to work in factories who would not normally have jobs. So it's a great company, a great story, and they have journals that are fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. I want to look into that because you got to represent Detroit, you know? That's uh, right, Shinola. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, Shinola, you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've seen, I've seen those watches before. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. Well, so let's get to another uh, question here. Tom says he struggles with uh, reaching goals because he, has just, he just has too many things going on at once. What are some, some things he can do to help maybe prioritize all these different things going on? So he's got kids maybe and job and home and five home projects. And how, how do you prioritize and, and, and figure out how to, when you have a lot going on in your life? Sure. So I would say with goals, you want to have it about three, anything more than three, and it's really just too much and you tend to get scattered, anything less than three, and it may not be enough to keep you motivated. There was a client that I was working with a couple of years ago where she had one goal. It was to produce this one product and it took her almost a year to do that, but she was successful in that year to get it completed but it was her sole focus throughout the year in making these small steps and changes to get that product out and on the market. So unless you have a a very specific goal like that, I would say about three goals is, is a good number to have. And then when you're dealing with kids and family and the house and work, it's really about writing down your actions writing them down, getting them out of your head and onto paper. So the bullet journal is great for that. Um, Or get it into some kind of electronic um, place like Evernote. Um, There's a whole bunch of other to-do lists kind of apps out there that are available and getting it out of your head and then figuring out, okay, which one is the best, the one that's most important for me to work on. Mm-hmm. And you just suggest doing that maybe in the morning to kind of get a preview of the day and see what needs to be done first, like daily doing that? Yeah, daily or weekly. Um, there's a, a great program. It's by David Allen. It's called Getting Things Done. And what he suggests doing is a weekly review, but also anything that, that kind of pops into your head, you get down, written down or captured electronically so that you can then focus on the stuff that you need to focus on. A lot of our inattention is um, not from outside sources, but from an inside source. And it's our own mind kind of getting in the way of the work that we need to do and the focus that we need to have. Sure. Oh yeah. All the time. There's always better things you could be doing, right? Or self-doubt or a million other reasons why you're your own worst enemy at some point in time. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's, I, I want to know if you have some, some tips for people with desk organization for, being, for maximizing productivity. Um, as, as far as filing, uh, some people just have piles of stuff everywhere. Um, are, do, you have, do you have some basic tips on how to, maybe uh, methods to stay productive at your desk and, and declutter? Sure. So staying productive at your desk um, that can you give me a little scenario there of what what would be happening? Well, say say um, I would say that 
with dealing with piles on your desk and, and maybe um, not filing them away uh, right away because they start to build. Um, okay. Yeah. So is that, is that enough? Yeah. So it, I think that a lot of times what I see with clients who are, have paper piles is one, they don't want to do it themselves. So can they delegate it out to someone? That's a big piece. The other thing is a lot of clients that I see who pile paper on top of each other are clients who are very visual. They need to see the work and see it out and available to them. If it were to go away in a file cabinet, it would be lost. They wouldn't be working on it. Uh, they'd be moving on to the next thing. And so one of the things that I suggest is if you're a very visual person, creating a system where there's either trays or or um, baskets where it's still visual, you can still see it, but it's not put away somewhere. And it looks organized and neat as you walk into someone's office and it's not overwhelming when you walk into your office. Mm -hmm. Things are where they need to be and you can get your hands on them quickly. Okay. So either trays, baskets. Um, I've worked with people who have used paper sorters, like they do in a mail room, and they keep all of their different projects there. When they need to work on a project, they pull it out. And then when they're done, they can put it back very easily and pull out the next project. Oh, okay. What in general do you have, how would you label some things like that? Like to be filed, to do, like that's very, very general, but are there other, you know, is it depend on the person, what you would label different folders? It does depend on the person. And so oftentimes when I'm coaching people, um, I'll say, what would you call this? And they say, well, what would you call it? And I would say, it doesn't matter what I call it because I'm going to be leaving here. <laughs> and you still won't be able to find it if we call it what I would call it. Right. What do you call it? So whether, it, you know, it could be to do for someone. It could be today for someone else. It could be tasks, all, actions, all of these different names so finding out what works best for you that's and what's the word that triggers you into action. Mm. And that's huge. Like, cause it's very specific, right? Different people use different words for triggers, right? So that's, uh, that's a great tip. Mm -hmm. What is your uh, favorite app for productivity or, or technological piece for productivity? Oh, I have two favorites. My first absolute favorite is Evernote. Love Evernote because you can um, clip articles from the web. You can take pictures and find them. You can even, if you have a meeting and you're drawing on a whiteboard, you can take a picture of that whiteboard and then later on search keywords and it will come up for you. So Evernote is an amazing product. It has, um, you can set reminders, deadlines. You can share it with other people. You can tag stuff on Evernote so that it's more clear as to what project it goes to. It's just a fantastic thing. And I've been using Evernote for years. And I'm actually an Evernote community leader, which means Evernote has chosen me to take extra training so that I can go out into the community and teach other people to use Evernote. So love that product. I think it's great. Another great product is Trello, which uses something called the Kanban system. It's basically cards. So you can move cards around and so you can put tasks on each card and then kind of move and prioritize them as you need to. It's another great way to capture actions, thoughts, ideas, and put them into different categories. Does that capture um, pictures as well and organize them that way or is it mostly just text? 
It can capture pictures. So a lot of people use it for social media. So this is the text that's going out. This is the picture that's going to go with it so that they're ready to go with um, whatever social media they need to, to organize and get out. So, um, and that's T-R-E-L-L-O, like Trello? Yeah, okay. Trello. Yeah. Some people call it Trello. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll put those... Trello, Trello. Yeah, we'll those both in the in the show notes and the in our blog post and put some links out. Okay. There. Um, do you do so? As far as Evernote training goes, what how do how can people get in touch with you to get more training on Evernote? Do you do like webinars or workshops or anything like that? Um, I don't do specific webinars or training on Evernote, but if if people are interested in learning on how they can use Evernote better, specifically for their organization and the work that they do, we can sit down together and talk through how Evernote works, how they can use it more effectively and productively, and how they can be kind of incorporating it more into their daily lives. That's awesome. And also, too, what plan they should be on. Evernote has different plans. So, you know, you may think, okay, I want to spend all this money for the top tier program that Evernote has, and you may not need all of those services. So it can be very cost effective to talk with someone through what that would look like and what's the best product for you. Okay. I like that. Uh, I I haven't used Evernote in a long time, but I remember I I got it and I just never got, you have to kind of get, use it, right? You have to use it and be consistent with it. And I just never was consistent with it, but I can see definitely how, um, it can be useful. And I'm going to go readdress that and, and try to get back into that because for all of the tasks that I have to do and all the internet stuff I have to do, it's, it would be very helpful for me. I know to keep stay yeah. organized with my thoughts and my tasks. And I think what's great about Evernote is that it's so easily searchable. So anything that you're looking up, whether it's an article, um, I had a friend who was writing a book. She's actually a productivity consultant herself. And she wrote her book in Evernote and, and used all of the information that she was gathering, research information, articles, pictures, all kinds of things that she put into Evernote and then wrote her book from Evernote and actually wrote the book in Evernote. Oh my gosh, really? That's yeah. <laughs> so cool. That's cool. Um, yeah. I want, I want to bring up, um, before we get going here, I want to talk about being more productive with personal finances and, and budgeting okay. and any tips that you have. And then I'll talk about some tips that, that we, we typically have people start out. So I actually went to your seminars and I got some great tips there. One was just carrying um, cash around, having a specific budget and just using cash. I thought that was a great one. Um, and then kind of knowing what your finances are and much like goals, just keeping track of it, having a connection to it, better understanding the bigger picture, where you want to be and how you're going to get there. I think are huge. That's huge. Just like goal setting. Yes. Yeah. I think cash, cash is using cash is huge. And we're not, we don't even talk about like the, the cash envelope system that Dave Ramsey really likes where you have a basically an infinite number of envelopes and so you have groceries and you have eating out and you have all, you know, everything, every single thing you're going to pay for. We just want you to take out the cash that you need for that pay period and use that for that stuff that you are probably swiping your debit card for. It's so much easier to have in front of you. Stay visual. It's not, it's tangible where swiping your debit card is so intangible and easy to get like, get 
crazy with it that you don't even realize until after the fact. And that's why people get really upset and stressed about their finances with the daily expenses like that is that it just gets out of hand so fast. Yes. Yes. Much like an electronic calendar, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not, you don't have the experience of writing it down like you would in a paper calendar. And so your electronic calendar can get just inundated with all kinds of meetings and you don't have any time in between. So having that connection, whether it's cash or your calendar makes a big difference in the way that you work. Yes. Um, One other thing that I think uh, really helps, and it's, it sounds super simple, but it, it, and it is super simple, but it's super effective, is organizing your expenses and having them written down somewhere on a post-it note or a spreadsheet or wherever in due date order. Mm. A lot of people organize their expenses, their monthly expenses by, say, like from big, largest amount to smallest amount, because that's kind of pretty or by category. So here's all my home expenses. Here's all of my car expenses and et cetera. Right. But th- those, that's not those are pretty reasons to organize, but they're not really tangible. So if you organize by by due date order, the real problem why people get stressed about their money and don't really understand the, the traditional budget is that it, it's, it's not a very visual system. And the problem is, is that we organize by month, but we, get, we don't always get paid by the month. So the yeah. timing of your, pay, your bills versus your paychecks versus a monthly budget just doesn't line up. So if you have, if you have your, uh, you know, your bills, expenses organized by due date, what's doing the first, the second, the third, et cetera, all the way down to the end of the month, you can get paid. You say, what is due between this paycheck and this paycheck? Pay mm. them right then, boom, you're done. The next paycheck comes in, what's due between that paycheck and the next paycheck? Pay it, you're boom, you're done. It's such, so much simpler than waiting until the, it's actually due and the timing is completely off because you probably already spent that money if you're not keeping track of it. And then what do you do about savings? What are some good tips for that? Well, well, savings, um, we like to have people, uh, and and by savings, we mean um, things that are random and non-recurring. And so, because you, you can, you have your monthly, your regular expenses, your fixed and recurring expenses, you have your cash stuff that you spend the cash, then everything else is stuff that happens infrequently or randomly. So um, say you have, you know, a, a car repair, you know, you're going to have a car repair if you have a car, right? Or a home repair, or you're going to go buy clothes. But those are things that happen randomly or not. You don't go buy clothes once a month, every month, right? So um, for those things, we typically have people figure out how much they spend per year in total on that one category. So on average, how much do you spend per year on on your car? for repairs, for oil changes. If it's a new car, it's probably not a lot. If it's an old clunker, you're probably going to be paying more. So to make it easy, let's say you spend $1,200 a year on your car. Well, you're going to divide by 12 and that's how much every month you're going to put in a savings account for that random and non-recurring expense. Mm -hmm. So every month you're going to put away $100 for your car. Um, If you have dues for uh, your professional organization, that's $120 a year, you're going to save $10 a month to put into this online savings account. And then when that happens, you just have that in savings or a lot of it, uh, you transfer that into your checking account and you can pay it right away. And so when those expenses come up that are usually pretty big, you know, big whammies, it's either have a lot to go towards it 
or you have all of it to go towards it. And it's, and mm-hmm. it's, you're feeling it in a slow, steady, very um, boring way, rather than a big whammy where you put it on a credit card and then you deal with it later. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Love. <laughs> well, Margo, thank you so much for joining us. This has been I think, super valuable. I, I'm like making mental notes. And I got to write them down when we get off air here to okay. start doing with Evernote and um, all that kind of stuff. So uh, we're going to leave some, uh, Margo's going to have some stuff for everybody in the blog post and the show notes uh, with um, some good, good tips. And then we'll leave some links in there for you for all the stuff we talked about today. So Margo Brown from wave productivity. Thank you so much for joining us. Anything else before uh, we sign off here? I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Anything else you want to, uh, say before we sign off here, any, anywhere you're going to be speaking or give your, your website one more time for people to check you out. Sure. My website is waveproductivity.com and I'm Margo Brown, productivity coach and professional organizer. All right, Margo, thank you so much. And you guys have a great week. Thanks for listening to The Saver and The Spender. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, www.fiscalfitnessaz.com, to your family, friends, and colleagues. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at IamFiscallyFit, and on Facebook at FiscalFitnessPHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and The Spender.